Welcome to the Athletic Approach, where we will guide you through the intricate maze of the mind in sport. The Athletic Approach is brought to you by Culture and Sport, where we believe that culture is critical to long-term success. I'm Kristen Bonowski. And I'm Manisha Agawal, and this is the Athletic Approach, where we don't just play the game, we understand it. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is like, right now, do you have a current mindfulness practice? And I, I know you mentioned like when you can't sleep, you do a body scan, but I was wondering if you like, if there are other times that you intentionally add some kind of mindfulness. Oh, um, sometimes when I, sometimes when I um, have a few meetings just at work, with one-to-one students because sometimes I don't know what they're about to say mm-hmm. or you know if they're coming to me with something that I've not dealt with before or I'm worried just that I'm not capable or that I you know won't be able to help them so I then will practice some breathing um, and that's just so that my heart rate isn't going like this (laughs) and I'm bringing myself again back into that moment because I then have to remind myself that I'm getting myself into my own head and I need to like be present for the person that's about to tell me these things that you know that they're about to share with me you don't even Um, know at that point if they're going to be bad you're just (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly so and it's like uh, it, yeah but I think that comes with like my own like my own doubts like oh like I don't you know because I just don't know um what to expect and I think that's so kind of natural when you're working with someone new um and you don't know what what it is that they need help with so and if I'm not present for them then I won't be able to help them in a way that they'd like to be helped yeah. um because I'm so in my own head and I won't I won't be listening to them and if I don't listen to what they have to say, then how can I help them if I'm not listening? <laughs> to, yeah, like, I think it. that's completely fair. And like you're meeting someone new for the first time. Like I've done a bit of like recovery and nutrition coaching and you're, you want to be present enough to ask the right questions so that when mm-hmm. you're by yourself and thinking about, okay, what's the next step they need to do to move forward? Like, you have all the information that you need. And if you, and I don't know, I know that I found, I'm like, ah, damn, I should have asked these things, or I don't know about this, or like, it's really important in those scenarios to really be attentive. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, that would be for me when I'd use them. I don't think I ever use them much like within dance, like. Do you wish you had? Because you don't do dance as competitively anymore, right? (laughs) Do you wish you had yeah. done it before? I think I think I did. Yeah, I think I do wish that I I integrated it more because I well I tried to do it once with the with the team. Like I played this audio and it just didn't work. Everyone just found it strange. Everyone was laughing, and again, that's why again it's important to understand How long your audio. Ago was that? That was last year in. Really? Seb, yeah, so that was quite recent. Um, That's interesting because I feel like yeah. maybe it's just the circle I'm in, you know, like social media just shows you what you're interested in. But I feel like talking about mindfulness and meditation is becoming 
and also of course like a lot of people on my social media are other athletes who I'm friends with so a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that I consume as content is has something to do with meditation mindfulness stuff like that so like if someone were to present that to me it it almost feels normal now where if someone said that to me yeah. like five ten years ago I'd be like embarrassed or awkward about it but now yeah like yeah cool that sounds fun yeah I mean I think it could even just be a maturity age thing Ah. like it could be something that can gradually you know you kind of then get used to um so I think yeah I think that comes with with because I mean I think as well the fact that it was in a university context mm-hmm. um and because because I, I feel like if it was one-to-one or they did it by themselves I think that that could have been fine but I think it was the fact that it was a group thing mm-hmm. they were probably a bit like like what is going on and I don't think a lot of it was new to them as well so it's a bit like what like literally what is going on oh, um, that's interesting and like, yeah. almost, I feel like within the group, yeah, you're right. And one-on-one, it might've gone better, but then suddenly if you ask someone to close their eyes or whatever, if you were sitting in a group and you've never done it before, instead you're kind of like looking around, like, is everyone else doing it too? Like, like are we yeah. actually doing this? Are we going to make fun of this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And I wish I, well, to be fair, I, I did use, um, so obviously like after performances I'd have panic attacks mm. so what my friend would do is she would um like she'd like draw a letter or a number behind my back like on my back uh-huh. and then I'd have to like guess like what that I letter totally, and number okay, so is. We spoke about this the last time and I remember thinking about our conversation after and I was like I wish I asked her how she got out of those panic moments like sometimes <laughs> yeah. they just go away but yeah that's so okay so she would draw a letter or a number on your back and you would guess what it was yeah because it brought me back to the moment and focus on what I'm feeling wow. because my yeah because my mind's elsewhere and it and it yeah and it works and it, it's because it's taking your concentration from somewhere else and bringing it back to like sort of, sort of like ground you um so yeah it, it works and there's other things like um oh, I can't quite remember like how many of each it is but it's like five things that you can um see four things that you can hear oh yeah I have heard this before yeah three things that you can feel two things that you can smell and one thing that you can taste something like that um yeah don't quote me on the numbers but (laughs) something like that and it's um another way again because you're practicing like your senses and because of that you're being again present like how you would be with mindfulness but it's just a different way of doing it where it isn't sat just doing breath work. So you brought your friend in on these moments of anxiety. Like how, what was that process like? Did she see you struggling or did, sorry, did they see you struggling or like, um, like how, how did that go? So 
it was quite obvious when I'd have a panic attack because it, I would literally like be out of breath um I'd be like like crying like I was just a hot mess honestly so and, and it, where would it happen like you're still on stage or do you go off stage and then afterwards yeah afterwards okay. um so that's yeah that's when it would happen um because usually like you know once we're off stage we all kind of we're all together and we're like oh like you know like how did we all like think that went so we're, we're naturally all together like when we come off stage so that's where it you know then sort of starts um but yeah yeah so yeah it's interesting because yeah it comes in different forms um and it there's no kind of one way around it and it yeah it completely depends on your sport situation and um you know how much time you can actually allocate to to practicing the skills so when your friend noticed that you were struggling with this did you ask like did she intuitively know what to do or did you guys have a conversation about what to do when this is happening or like how did you mm. arrive on like bringing you back to the present moment and how she could help so the first time it initially happened was after a dance class so I, I had a panic attack because in a similar thing with um with being on stage in classes sometimes you're put into smaller groups and the fact that I know that I'm being watched so it was that thing that gave, that gave me anxiety was like the, the thought of being watched mm -hmm. and um so when I did like this class and we were in smaller groups that's kind of when I felt a panic attack coming on so um and she noticed it straight away and we went um into the toilets and she kind of just she did it straight away and I and I'm not actually quite sure how she needed to do it I think she had panic attacks herself as well like kind of like in the past so I think that's something that she's actually then picked up on um but yeah but yeah so yeah I don't think it was ever like a thing that she was you know trained in because that was oh gosh like we would have been 18 when that happened and I don't think you're ever trained like at any point in education and how to like deal yeah. with a situation like that yeah so you would think like like knowing techniques of how to calm you down and help you help bring you back to the present that's like either something she's experienced herself or she's helped someone else through I would assume yeah exactly exactly and I know there was another time when someone helped me by telling me to breathe in through um my nose and out through my mouth but it was the way that she said it was in a humorous way mm. so again so that I can again it's like more of a distraction that's yeah. I think that's the best word it's a distraction away yeah, from it so that you could I feel like if you tell someone to breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, you're like, oh, thanks. Like, I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So um, the way that she said it was in a funny way so that, it, yeah, so it was, yeah, a distraction. Um, but you're also trying to catch your breath. So it's kind of like the best of both almost. But mm -hmm. um, but the, the prime goal, again, was to get me back to the present, but it was through humor mm -hmm. um 
and again I think that person who that was a different person so I think the way that she knew to do that was again because I knew that she was someone that um dealt with a lot of anxiety and depression so I think again so it's a lot of these things that you know through personal experience that people know how to overcome situations and then you know and they can then you know are equipped to help someone else when they see you know the signs Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah I I think that's a really great like takeaway to like learn if you or someone you see is in that kind of experience honestly is how Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times people can feel pretty helpless to be honest like if they see someone having a panic attack and so it's really cool that you've shared that experience and um maybe someone might be better equipped to help someone in the future yeah yeah Um, yeah um not to veer away from that because i think that's (laughs) but one thing that i struggle with i think is how to add mindfulness into my life and i was wondering Mm -hmm. if you had any advice or how you like you told me like obviously before like you have meetings and stuff but if Mm. I wanted to have a general practice I think it's really hard to get in a routine of having it every day and I don't know if you have any recommendations on how to like build it into your life I guess yeah I think so I think it would be to create it as a habit so um I think there's a saying that oh, I don't know what the saying but something something and you know it turns into a habit I know that it's always on Instagram but I can't think of it <laughs> um, <laughs> um so I think with that the best thing to do um is to like you know so I guess it depends on how you create your day-to-day routine um and if that's through like scheduling or if that's through creating a a checklist add it to those things or if you know that you've got a busy day ahead of you make sure it's the first thing that you do then it's like out the way um and if you are busy like I said 30 seconds you can give up the even just 30 seconds of your time to be able to to do that um so I think that would be my my advice is to start small um and integrate it into your schedule or how it is that you organize yourself and and you don't have to do you know like I said like like long like um what am I trying to say like you don't have to spend too much time on it where you're I guess where it's too much of a change so it's not sustainable So by starting small, you can then create those habits because you know that it's manageable and then it's consistent with what it is that you then want to do. Um, and then you can then build on that once it becomes a habit. And it's like, it's sort of like going to the gym. So, you know, if you want to, you know, increase your fitness and, you know, you think to yourself, yeah, I'm going to go to the gym four times a week, never, but you've never been to the gym ever before. But then if you start by going once a week, and then for like a month and then you can build that up to like twice a week yeah. a month and it's that gradual build so and it's similar again with mindfulness it's taking x amount of time whether that's again a minute two minutes and then gradually increasing it but then you don't even need to increase it because if you can feel the benefits then you know you 
you're, you're thriving. Yeah. Um, I feel like yeah. a common thing with me is like, oh, I decide to do mindfulness and then I'm gung-ho and I, I almost like bite off more than I can chew. It's like, oh, I'm going to do it for 20 minutes every day. And I'm able to do that for four or five days. And then suddenly life gets busy, but I've committed to 20 minutes. And if I can't do 20 minutes, then I'm not doing it at all. And yeah, yeah, that <laughs> becomes a it's that spiral. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you know, that really aligns with goal setting. And, you know, if your goals feel too big and almost like, you know, you you can't feel like you can achieve them you feel like a failure when you don't achieve them. 100%, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, absolutely. So it's all about taking, you know, small steps yeah. and being consistent. Yeah, it's like sometimes you try and be the best athlete possible and you, like, I've done it before. I'm like, I'm going to write down a list of all these things that are going to make me amazing. But if you actually look at how much time all of these things are going to take, you're going to have, like, yeah. You just don't have enough time in the day to do all the things that you should be doing to be a great athlete, and then exactly, and then you, I personally anyway, I'm really hard on myself when I don't tick off everything on that list, and then yeah, yeah, and it it almost becomes worse than if I just prioritize a couple of things. Yeah, exactly. So it is just taking it like each bit at a time but some things work and some things don't so um like for example with the visualization so we've you know we've talked a little bit about um visualization and how that's another mental skill and with that essentially the first aspect of visualization is getting yourself um relaxed and you can do that through mindfulness so that's kind of how both of them can really um kind of overlap and be integrated so getting yourself into um a relaxed state and in a nutshell visualization you to the best of your ability are recreating what it would be like playing your sport and specifically thinking about certain situations and scenarios where you may feel um, nervous or anything that you want to tackle that you want to be better prepared for mm -hmm. and again that's using all your senses and really imagining what that scenario feels like um, you know from kind of you know what you can see when you visualize who's in your space what's the temperature like when you're there what are you wearing um, how does your body feel? What have you ate that day? You know, all these different things. Um, but yeah, what's your experience of visualization? Yeah, so I wanted to really integrate it before into my life before talking about it. But I really struggled with that just because of where I am in season, which kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, about like trying to do everything you should do like everything possible to be the best athlete and like right now because I'm in a off season slash general prep kind of phase fitting in visualization probably isn't my key priority right now and I don't know exactly what I would be visualizing maybe some like slow eccentric squat technique um, but um, I actually I've had so we use visualization often in bobsleigh because you don't get actually that many reps. Um, so 
and that's one way we've used it for actual technical work. But then a second way that I've been fortunate enough to use it, I was working with a mental performance coach and each morning he had this audio clip that I would listen to. And it was kind of like a motivational thing, kind of set you up for the day, focus on your goals. And I thought it was great. I thought, I thought it helped me start my day off well and remind me like, like where my goals are immediately had me think about my goals down the road and just really rooted me in like, this is my purpose for the day. The issue I had was when I got to that goal down the road, it wasn't what I visualized and it made it, I think that much more heartbreaking. So when we are preparing to go to the Olympics in China, initially when I started this visualization, I visualized the end of the last run of the Olympics and my parents being there at the finish. But if you didn't know, the Olympics in China ended up being spectator free because people couldn't go because of COVID. But I knew that pretty far in advance. So I stopped visualizing my parents there because they weren't going to be there. But then I, I visualized so deeply, like, my boyfriend being there, my teammate's husband being there, like having a result that we were really proud of. And then when that didn't happen, it was like, I'm mm. in the exact spot that I visualized, but this is not the feeling. This is not the excitement that I had been working towards in my head. And so it, it was almost like I'd been there a million times, but this moment that I'm here now isn't what I visualized. And it was hard. Mm. Yeah, and I know that with visualization, it is that be what you visualize is something that has to be realistic. So I know that we've spoken a little bit about this, like you know, when you do have these visualizations and whatever it is that your goals are, it's ensuring that what you are visualizing is something that is realistic. Yeah, and, and even though it wasn't unrealistic, what I was visualizing, like we, it. It's not that it wasn't realistic. It was just going to be hard to achieve and we were close but didn't get it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think because I was, I, was, I was just going to say that even though it was because it wasn't like a skill based thing, because the things that, you know, that you felt and sort of disappointed by, you know, with like spectators not being there and that, you know, and then understanding that that's out of you know out of your control mm -hmm. and again that goes back to that self-awareness and you know being aware of what it is that you can and can't control mm -hmm. um but it doesn't invalidate you know how you feel and you know what it's like when you get to those moments at all um and I think it's like sports psychologists we need to also be aware and make sure that who we're working with that they're aware that what you know all these skills doesn't guarantee x y and z yeah and and that and that's massive and because we can't we can't guarantee that you, you know that isn't a thing um but we can help we can you know educate we can provide you know the tools um but it doesn't mean you know you will get that result um but you know kind of going back to your you know your experience when you 
visualize something so much and because it almost becomes like this dream you know that is what it is that you know you want to do mm-hmm. um you want to experience um and you know that is kind of you know some of like the negatives of it is the effects of well what happens when it, you know if if it doesn't happen yeah yeah and it it was a really powerful way to visualize because i did feel a difference when i chose to do that each morning and how it set up my day and my focus it was just hard when it was over and i had visualized this every day for over half a year uh more than that probably like eight months and <laughs> yeah um yeah you i think that a lot of that I'm sorry and I was just gonna say that like really like links into like athlete identity because you do this so much and suddenly it's done Mm -hmm. and it's like now what and I think that that's an element of well what's next what's the next thing and you almost forget who you are within all of that like like away from your sport and I think because things are so structured and you were doing all of this thing, all these things that, you know, and then it just comes to an end. It's like, whoa. Yeah. I was actually, um, I was reading about something and it was the biggest when football players stop because football players obviously is a big team sport and bobsleigh is similar. Like we live with our teammates half the year and stuff. Um, so I can relate to this a lot, but they're the biggest cause of like depression and emotional issues when someone retires from football isn't because they miss the thrill of the game or whatever it is. It's the camaraderie that they experience and the always being around their teammates and like just that whole atmosphere. It's just gone. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of like, I'm sure lots of people do this, but like bobsleigh because we live with our teammates for four or five months straight pretty much and then suddenly we're cut we're cut off it's a really common that's a feeling that we feel a lot too and something that I felt a lot like suddenly March or April comes around and I'm not surrounded by my teammates all the time and it's this really Mm -hmm. weird feeling like yeah yeah and like you can get some pretty low lows and you don't really recognize where they're coming from. And I'm sure it's a contributing factor. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's one of those things where everyone will experience at some point. And again, that's, you know, something that psychologists can help with away from mental skills. Like it's not just, you know, performance enhancement. It is those things where we can speak to athletes about their identity what life looks like after Uh, it goes into so many you know different things so um yeah no thank you thank you for sort of sharing that yeah um as like you kind of just briefly touched on it but what would you if someone was struggling with life after sport or worrying about life after sport coming up what would you kind of advise them to do I I think like right now is to try new things, integrate yourself into a new hobby, a new skill, or you know even like do some online courses or do an online degree or something. Just anything that isn't related to your sport that you are able to do when your sport is no longer there. Yeah, and it is as you know as simple as that. But it's also understanding who you are 
as a person and it's developing that understanding that so let's take let's take yourself for example so that you Kristen you're not a blob you're not a bobslayer you are a person who plays that sport Mm-hmm. and it's that it's that it's literally that difference um so yeah that would be sort of my biggest advice is to make that that distinction um but but yeah but if you know if you want to do something a bit more tangible than it is you know learning new skills whether that's the language or I don't know knitting like Tom Daly he does a lot of knitting like you know you see that a lot so and um and I think I'm sure he's he's spoken about how that's a good way that you know he sort of winds out like winds himself down. Um, so yeah, so you know, pick yeah, pick up a skill, um, but also don't feel like when you fail, it means you're a bad person because you can detach yourself from your sport because it's, the sport doesn't determine your own self worth. Mm-hmm. so yeah I could yeah could go on forever with that but that that's one for another another, <laughs> another episode <laughs> yeah um yeah I think that's some good advice I think in my own life I've found huge benefit in my own self-worth and my own fear of leaving the sporting world um developing yeah. a lot of different hobbies and take putting in time to learn about different things and developing myself outside of me as an athlete because honestly I I think there have been times in my life if you told ask me what my hobbies were I'd be like oh watching Netflix recovering from sport I don't know like uh, I train that's it and so now like I there's a lot of other things that I do enjoy doing um, and exploring for me personally it's artistic and creative um, things that I really enjoy doing or um, listening to or talking on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah no exactly exactly and I think that's so good because you don't have to currently be playing in your sport to be able to do those things yeah and again that's you know that that's the difference or it's picking up coaching qualifications if you still want to be within sport but mm-hmm. you know you're not a full-time athlete anymore um yeah so many different ways um but yeah no I think those are some things that we can definitely go into in a hopefully in another season um but yeah but yeah this season has been good um to kind of listen to your experiences um kind of trying different mental skills um and yeah but that was over you know such a short amount of time so Mm -hmm. definitely you know keep going with it and we can sort of see I guess how that that you know progresses if, yeah, if you choose to keep it <laughs> yeah I appreciate you being well I appreciate your knowledge with uh the mental skills but also um for you being vulnerable enough to answer a lot of difficult questions to open up about different things that you've struggled with I think it's really cool and that's a wrap for today's episode of the athletic approach we hope you gain new insights into the mental dimensions of sport performance and are inspired to dive deeper into this fascinating field. The Athletic Approach is produced by Manisha Agwal and Dr. Jeremy Piasecki at Culture and Sport. If today's discussion sparked your curiosity and you want to learn more, head over to cultureandsports.com. We've got a wealth of resources, articles, and research to help you understand the mental game even better. 
And don't forget, you can also connect with us on your favourite social media platforms. Whether you're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok or YouTube, you can join our community for more insightful discussions, expert tips and a behind-the-scenes look at the world of mental sports. Remember, the mind is a powerful tool in any athlete's training. The more you understand it, the better your game. So keep learning, keep growing and keep pushing your limits. Thank you for tuning in to The Athletic Approach, where we go beyond the physical and explore the psychological. Until next time, stay strong, stay focused and embrace the mental game.